everybody, welcome to another episode of Brown Petri Dish. Today on the podcast we have Brian Sternick. It was a great episode, it was really funny. Um, you know, Brian's a good friend of mine, Brandon's, and uh, I think we all had a long weekend. It's 1.30 in the morning right now that I'm doing this, I had a long day. Uh, yesterday was tailgating the Browns game, so I was already exhausted, and then I had kind of a full day today, and uh, that's why I'm editing this late, and I actually had to edit this episode because we did like about an hour and a half, so I had to cut some out, um, but we will be having a Patreon soon, I'll be announcing that as soon as we get that together. So maybe we'll have the part that I cut out on the Patreon. If you want to throw us a little bit of money, help us pay for the new podcasting equipment I'm about to buy uh, for a podcast that makes us no money. So it will be a lot more fun whenever we can do these in person every week, though. Uh, The Zoom ones, you never know what's going to happen. Brian had a pretty good connection, so we didn't have very many problems with him. But usually there's something that goes wrong with Zoom. So I can't wait to get our studio put together so we can start doing these in person. And uh, But yeah, this was a great episode. You'll enjoy it. If you don't know Brian, you should. Check out the Funny Bus. He does that with John Armstrong and Julio Grady, two other comics that are really funny. Yeah, check them out on that. And uh, the Ad Hominem Roast, Brandon and Brian are both doing roast that night um, at the East End in Lakewood, Saturday night. I can't remember what time the show starts. Check it out on Facebook. Just look up Ad Hominem Comedy. It's always a good time. I went to the last one, and it was a really fun time. So come out to that. Have a good time. Hope you enjoy the episode. So what's up, Ryan? You doing, man? Not the much, not the much, John. I, yeah, I just, I just got done taking a shit. And my legs fell asleep. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we were making fun of him, and I didn't get it on on the recording. So, that's so uh, describe the proper position for this, Brian. You yeah. seem to have the schematics down as far as the leverage, the angle, all of it. You it just go back over it. Yeah. Well, well, so let's so let's say let's say you're sitting down to take a shit and you're like in class, like with your back like straight, you know, and you're just like you know in class like the, the etiquette of sitting and you're like taking a slap, yeah. yeah, and you're taking but a I slap, yeah, but I slouch forward a little bit, not a lot, but enough, and then like my my arms are on my like my middle thigh, and I'm texting and I'm like, oh yeah, man, fucking AJ Styles, yeah, he was a good wrestler, he's a good wrestler, like watching YouTube videos. <laughs> Then it's like I'm waiting for my shit to end. Maybe I get preoccupied. And then when I'm done, I get up. And then it takes about 30 seconds. So both my legs start to give out on me because they just go numb. So my question is, and Brandon said he uses this method often too. My my question is, is it because you have to have both hands to text? Or like what? 
I think it just can't. My, my, arm, my arms are casually resting. Yeah, sometimes it does take. Well, sometimes okay. I'll have one, but my like I'm not gonna like rest my arm on the side of something. Maybe it's because I have. Maybe it's because I have a sink right next to me, so I like rest my arm on the sink. Mm. Maybe. Okay. I don't. So know. you're like casually. You're you're like so. Someone walks in on you. You're like, yeah, I'm just taking a cool old shit. Yeah, I'm just chilling. Yeah, I'm going through fantasy lineups and shit, and that's <laughs> that's where I do my tinkering on the, on the <laughs> order Nike shoes to order my fantasy rosters. That's how I do it. That's it. Yeah, that's got to be a whole. That's got to be a whole other world having having a sink right next to you while you're doing this. I can yeah picture that in my head. Yeah. And then if you if you uh, the the one thing I I wish bathrooms were smaller actually, it, it, like like the more like the shower like the toilet closer to the wall, so you could like get up to re- so you could like reach the uh, fan switch from the toilet. Because, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, because, you want every you want like a little person's bathroom. Yeah, because when you get like a for phone a little call, house. yeah, because when you get a phone call, you don't want to have the fan on because then they know you're in the bathroom. So you could reach over and turn the fan off real quick, but then it's going to start to stink. So you turn the fan back on when your phone call is done. That's bold that you just answer the phone while doing this. That's amazing to me. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to do that. There's an echo in my bathroom. They would know immediately that I'm yeah, in the bathroom. The, or the flush when you got a flush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, Wait, put it on mute. you said the flush. You have to like, you went like this. You like pull it. Do you like have one of the old style toilets where you pull it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta flush it like a chandelier. <laughs> I gotta pull the chandelier. It's the nice, light. <laughs> it's the light, the fan, and the 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 flush. That's all three. On the that's the three things I have. Oh, Brian Sternick <laughs> in his Renaissance toilet. What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> Thou shall not shit without thy conditioner. Oh, dude, we had. Uh, I was I was at uh, I was at Funny Stop last night, and uh, Rich Voss was there. And it was it was funny seeing like like our shitty asses do crowd work the night before, and then seeing Rich Voss do crowd work, and it's like he's so fucking good at it. Like he he uh, he wanted to call. He was gonna call his wife. His wife's Bonnie McFarland. I think most people know that, but uh, um, she's a really funny comic. And he was gonna call her because the audience thought it was terrible that he didn't know how many years they've been married. And he was like, I bet she doesn't know either. So he was going to call her, and he calls her, and she doesn't answer. And then he's waiting for her to call back, and this guy starts heckling him. And he's just, like, telling him to shut the fuck up and all this shit. And then uh, she calls back, and she's like, how's the show going? And he's like, it's good, except for this one fucking guy. And then uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, have you ever had, he's like, have you ever had somebody you just see their face and you don't like them? And Bonnie goes, yeah, I married him. Like, fucking, <laughs> fucking killer, dude. It was so fucking good. But yeah, man, it, it was a uh, fun time, funny stop, man. Uh, went, Thursday was fun. Brian was there doing the crowd work show. That's something you're pretty good at, man. I've seen you do like like your whole set at LVT plenty of times with nothing but crowd work, and then you're like, fuck, I was going to tell a joke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I forget. <laughs> the fucking I, pogo sticker the one time that was my favorite that was, that I, was the best. what was i forgot that joke see like that sucks about doing crowd work sometimes so i don't record it i just forget everything yeah it was just this couple that was there that uh julia brought in and uh 
And they were like, it was like a, a girl and a guy that were living in a van together, and he was like a professional pogo sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. shit, which I didn't even know was a thing. Like, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Explain <laughs> the whole living in the van thing. It's not Yeah. Bad, yeah. But she was well, like, was forced to. she was like smoking hot, too. And I'm like, how, how does that happen? Like, yeah. you. <laughs> she was like, she was like 30, and yeah. he was like 24, and she was, she was hot as fuck, and it was her van. Yeah. And she, you've made some bad life. Sticker. You've made some bad life choices. If that's yeah, if you're living with a professional <laughs> pogo sticker in your van and, and you're that hot and you're 30 years old, like I think that sucks for the van life. Yeah. Think, think about that. You're like, I live in a van, but I don't own that van. That's twice as bad. Yeah, you didn't see this chick, Brandon. <laughs> she was hot. Yeah, you you missed out. <laughs> uh, she was. She, she was. It was very surprising, and I think she was a swinger too, because Julia afterwards, because I think I made a joke saying she was hot on stage, and right afterwards Julia's like, Julia's like, "Hey, are you gonna go bang my friend?" And I was like, "No," and she goes, "Oh, well, she thinks you want to," and then she like turned around and winked at me, and I was like, "Oh, fuck, my stick, my pogo stick's not ready for that." <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so do you? Do you? Uh, Brian used to be the host of LBT. If anybody didn't know that, Brian, do you enjoy LBT more now that you don't host it, or do you enjoy oh, totally. hosting it? More? Totally. Okay. That that room is so stressful to host. Brandon, you have you hosted LBT once? Not yet. No. Uh, okay. Well, uh, jo- well, I hope you guys get a chance to host it. Uh, because that is the biggest clusterfuck of a room. It is, and it makes it made me a better comic. Yeah, because I had to like you don't even focus on your set because like and most most of the time like like when I would host it, if I most of the time I wouldn't have a good opening set because the audience didn't know what was happening. Um, but when I did have an, I, I have had some great sets like opening there, but then the rest of the night just was shit. So it's either my mentality was okay, I'm either gonna kill it. And the show's gonna suck, or I'm gonna <laughs> suck, and the show's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And it's the most unhealthy. Re- it's it's like dating a girl when you know she's cheating on you. <laughs> like, but yeah. you're but you're going out to Olive Garden next week. Going to that going to that room almost weekly has made me such a better comic. I think because it's mm-hmm. it's a room you never know what you're gonna get. Like it could be you could just totally. completely bomb with your best material one night and then the next week will be like an alt comedy club like it's you know like you don't know <laughs> yeah. you never know what it's going to be like and then you have like the one night we had three shitty shitty comics bomb in a row to start off the show when Jeremy Demery was hosting and then Brandon Ayer goes up and just fucking murders and then it's a totally different room the rest of the night. Like it's you know, totally. like it was yeah. it was killer. That's it's my favorite room, but it's it's so it's so disheartening when I bomb there now because it's like it's like it's it's like it's become like my room, you know, like where it's my favorite room to go to. So when I bomb yeah. there now, I'm like, You're not allowed to not like me. What the fuck? Like yeah. you know, like it's <laughs> Uh, I've known I've known this room for years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. the mentality. Yeah. Well, when, how long ago did you start doing comedy, Brian? I think you said 2017 or 18. Yeah, I've been I've been doing it a little maybe April or May of 2017. I used to remember that I just don't anymore, Where but I know you? it's like it was right it was right when it was either the end of spring or the beginning of summer when I started in 2017. Where was your first time? It was at LVT, actually. Oh, really, man? Yes, yeah, I, 
I started there and I started running it in 2019. That's a lot. I mean, LVT is a rough room to start out in, but it's a lot better than like a lot of the people who have been on our podcast said their first room was Euro Gyro and Kent. Which oh is my like, god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is no no offense to no offense to Jorge, but that room is that room is fucking awful sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I is. like you're like no offense, but that's the shittiest garbage. <laughs> it it is. Room, no it's, offense, Jorge. It's so bad, dude. There's, there's, uh, I've, I've went like twice, and both times it was just like 10 people not paying attention, and I was one of only like two comics. Like, <laughs> and then there's a musician, like during everyone's bombings. Yeah, there was a rapper in between me and Jorge the last time, the last time yeah. I went. And he wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. You know, <laughs> um, was he a white rapper? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. point across. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, man. Yeah, that that room was that room was fun. Yeah, but I knew what, but I knew what it was because yeah. the first it took me it took me like like the tenth time I went, it was a good show. Yeah, and then afterwards, it was like, okay, that just hit its peak. <laughs> like I had already peaked. <laughs> right. Yeah, I liked, I liked Water Street in Kent. Water Street in Kent was like, uh, was it was like that? It was like the Kent version of TikTok, basically. Like it was just comics. Yeah. But it's in but, the basement, right? Yeah, but and sometimes, but sometimes those rooms with just comics are a good place to work out new shit. I mean, because yeah. you don't really give a fuck what you're what you're saying when it's just comics. Uh, oh, totally. But but yeah, man, you've been coming up to Funny Stop a little bit more lately. Um, and it was are you trying to get noticed by Pete again? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get the Pete. I'm trying to get Pete. I don't know if Pete likes me or not because he'll talk to me. Yeah, but like he'll have like an honest conversation with me, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, like you get you get the opportunity here. I go come here more, come here more." But he doesn't fuck with me. Yeah. So I'm like, I know if he fucks with you, he likes you. And I don't care if he likes me or hates me, because I've always liked Pete. I just didn't want to go to amateur nights anymore. Yeah, but like, he also I was like, I can just... but he also fucks with people that he knows that he knows that it gets to him. Like so, if if you don't let it get to you, then he stops fucking with you. So like, he doesn't fuck with me anymore. He's the main two people are Jimmy Killius and and Patrick Madison. Those are the two people. <laughs> He fucks with the most because because he even though I don't think it really I don't know if it gets to Jimmy or not but Pete like perceives that it gets to Jimmy so he just keeps <laughs> going at him like it's it's funny but Patrick gets really pissed at at Pete and it's and it just makes Pete go harder at him and I'm what like, does Pete say to him he always Patrick. he always tells he always says that Patrick's wife left him. And, and because she doesn't come to Funny Stop anymore, so he, so he always tells it. He's like, "She left you, I know it." And he's like, "No, she didn't. Like, we're still together, Pete." He told him. Every, time I, there, every yeah. time I go up there without Haley, Pete tells me I'm gay now. Every every yeah. single time. Uh, she misses one show, and now I'm gay. Uh, well, I remember the one time. The one time he said that. Uh, that uh we were talking about brett and he said that uh somebody said that you and brett lived together and he was like he was like yeah they're gay together and i'm like, yeah, and I'm like yeah. well, no. he's like yeah i saw him wearing skirt on on mike polk jr show <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i wore a fucking dress <laughs> I, well i wore a dress during uh 
it wasn't Polk show. It was um, uh, David Horning had this like the rooftop show at a bar that isn't around anymore. Okay. And they just gave me this. Uh, they like David used to do this thing where he'd be like, yeah, every week he would just give me a script and I would do it. He could have had me like yeah. like blow, giving a blowjob and I would have done it. I'd be like, oh, it's funny. And I didn't know what I was like. I didn't know what I was doing until I got there. Like ten minutes before the show starts, I'm always late. So like right before the show starting. I'm like, yo, David, what, what do you want me doing? And then he just started laughing. <laughs> and he just handed me this dress. And Amber made us laughing in the background. David's laughing. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck. I didn't shave my head. So I'm just bald, like openly bald because my hair's growing. And I got a beard and my dress. I put on this, this like fucking sunflower dress or whatever they're called. I don't know. You know, the dresses where like women wear thongs and you can see them. Sundresses. <laughs> yeah. I thought there were sunflowers on it. Yeah, I was wearing this sundress. I took my underwear off too because I thought I'd be funnier. So I wanted to be a little <laughs> slut. Uh, but yeah, and then I like filled my bra up and shit. And I just like literally walked down an aisle and everyone's like, people were laughing. I was pissed. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> like I was not Uh-oh. smiling. And everyone's like, I was like, Brian, you're killing it. You're selling this because you're not laughing. I was like, I don't want to do this. This is emasculating. Yeah. I'm throwing yeah, flowers at people. Yeah, it was so. But that, 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 I took my underwear off too, so I was like, I'm just gonna go in uh, balls deep, pun intended. That's what would make me nervous: is a cross breeze on a rooftop while wearing a dress, and you're not even wearing anything underneath. That's just bold. No, nah, I was <laughs> I just, hoping for it. <laughs> I just love how he. I just love how he still uses gay as an insult, and everybody just like rolls their eyes and doesn't say anything like because you know he's not going to change at this point yeah. <laughs> like he's not going to change and like the one time i told him i was taking the sketch class and i told him and i told him i told him that it was in lakewood and he was like he's like lakewood gay and i'm like well i mean <laughs> it's not like that's not a bad assumption of lakewood it's, yeah. not, like, it's, it's not even that offensive to be honest he's just right. saying it's gay over there yeah. <laughs> it is funny though man and he he's fucking last night dude with rich foss he's like he comes out because rich was somebody came out and told pete that rich was talking shit about him on stage and pete comes out and he goes he goes, you know, I've never heard of a fucking Jew with the last name Voss. And he goes, he's like, he's like it must be Vossenstein or some shit like that. Oh like, my God. They, were just, they were just talking. Pete was in the back of the room, and him and Rich Voss were just talking shit back and forth to each other from the stage. It was, <laughs> it was great, dude. But yeah, man, but yeah, man it's, uh, you're, you're, uh, you, you're one of the, you're one of the, like, You've become one of the like staples of Cleveland comedy. Everybody knows you, I think. You know, in the Lakewood yeah. scene and shit. Like you're good at karaoke. Um, very. <laughs> multiple- <laughs> <laughs> we did you work fucking there. Oh my god, I love fucking karaoke. I love karaoke. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time, man. It's always a good time. <laughs> um, no, but uh, but so you you gave you gave LBT to Jimmy. How how many hosts did LBT have before you? Oh my god! Uh, so it was <laughs> so I, I I don't know to be honest. Okay. So I think <laughs> I think so. It was, so Bob Seeholzer gave it to me before Bob had it. Josh Morrow had it before Josh Morrow had it. That's where it starts to get tricky. I know Joe Joe Whalen ran it, um, and stories. then. 
Steve Thomas, I think, started it. And there might be a host in the middle. I'm not sure. But it's been around for like 10, 11, 12 years. 10 to 12 years. I, I think 11. Think, I was starting to think there was some like ancient scroll that somebody was going to open up. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, my God, the founder of the original Lakewood Village Tavern opened <laughs> We had no idea. Yeah. This, this, I mean, this dude, knowledge was lost to the ages. It does feel like it does that room does have like a a, a feel to it like that it's got some history behind it, you know? I mean it's yeah. it's just it was weird. We went there uh we went there Saturday after Gabe's party and it was just super weird being there on a night that wasn't Wednesday. Like it was there was It sucks. Yeah, there was like karaoke going on, but they only let one person sing. I'm like, what the fuck is this set up? Like what like it was, it was weird. Like I'm like, where do you sign up? And they're like, You don't. And I'm like, All right, like whatever. Like, it was super weird. Um, but yeah, that's man. not how karaoke works, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, you, so how, so what are your what are your goals in comedy? Like, what do you want to do with it? Like, I know you have a podcast that you don't tell anybody about, but uh, yeah, what? <laughs> I, I, I post, I like how I have a podcast, I don't promote it. <laughs> I didn't know you had a podcast until like two weeks ago, like, yeah, and then it's, it's me, you, and uh, it's me, you, and Brett. And you're like, wait, you have a podcast? I was like, yeah. You're like, how the fuck didn't I know about it? And then Brett just looks at me and goes, yeah, Brian, you should talk about yourself more. You <laughs> <laughs> just started laughing. <laughs> and there's fucking a hundred and like, something episodes of it. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's the guiltless podcast. I got in 40. I think I was, I'm, I'm like 50. I have like 50 episodes because before me, it was just uh, Joe. Joe Burden, uh, it's, it was his podcast with his work buddy. And it just, it was a podcast for him and his work friend to just talk, like, and drink craft beers. Yeah. And then his friend got out, and then he, I was a guest on it because they did a comedy show because the other host left. So Joe was like, hey, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And then, I'm, I mean, I'm going to say, like, we, like, he wanted something new, and I never had a podcast. So I was like, all right. So we would, like, I'd spitball, and we were slowly figuring it out. And then I asked Sam Roberts from uh, 19 Action News to be on. And she said, yeah. And then once we had that guest, I was like, okay. Then we kind of figured out, like, the form. Like, just, just we, we figured out, like, what the theme of the show was. Yeah. You know? And we started getting, like, big, like, Cleveland guests on. Yeah. You know? Like, we've had, we've had Andre Knott. And because he That's guests, cool. he hosts, he get Yeah, he guessed and we had a road show. We ran a road show and Andre Knott was a judge. And I told a whole room of people that Andre not wanted to fuck me, and <laughs> no, and and no one laughed but Andre. Andre was dying, and the audience was like, "That's that's inappropriate. That's not funny." But Andre's dying. He goes, "Ah!" And then he now and now Andre not just fucks with me, <laughs> dude. I, and he just tells me I'm a shitty comic, and I'm like, "Okay, Andre, you're cool though." You're so, cool. Um, so do you have Sam Roberts' phone number then? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, okay. Sam Sam Roberts is married to her husband Greg. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. God damn it! I, you just I ruined was, my fantasy, Brian. Fuck. I was sad when I found that out. When we were talking, like, when she's like, "Yeah, my husband," I was like, "Ah." <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, and her little dog that she has on the news all the time. 
Oh yeah, she's not cool dog. I think it's Doppler and Radar or something. <laughs> of course, like Why she's Sam. Sam Roberts is a fucking weather nerd, and it's fucking cool as shit. I've never yeah. met someone that like. I was like, "What were your dreams?" She goes, "Oh, I've always dreamed like." I, I always dreamed of like telling the weather and I was like, that's the weirdest dream, but you're doing it and I'm happy for you. And she's the nicest fucking person. She's funny yeah. as hell too. <laughs> well, she's Brian, funny. She's so funny. You're one of the, you're one of the, uh, you're one of the few, um, non, non head. Well, you have headlined once I think, right? But you're one of the few non headliners yeah. in Cleveland. That's an actual working comic. <laughs> so how, yeah isn't that, that it, it's weird how's that how's how's that going is that is, he, he works on the funny bus for those of you who don't know is that a fun is that a fun thing to do or is it yeah dude, like how do you awesome. do you just like make jokes about like landmarks in cleveland and shit like what <laughs> yes okay okay so <laughs> it's 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 weird because at first i was trying to make jokes so like there's like a script we read like i mean like so we got the job my boss is like my boss dean he goes yeah you guys need to know where everything is and i need to comfortably know you guys know where everything is so i joined the funny bus before covid it was me john armstrong and julio grady we joined and then i did practice tours like he drove his truck and i just it was an hour and a half we're driving. It was boring as fuck. I was like, I don't need to do this. But he goes, you need, he's like, you need to know like what shit is. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to know. Uh, and then I, and I, and then I didn't. And then I quit the bus cause like COVID hit. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Like if I want to do this and then he hit me back up, I guess he tried to look for a couple of replacements and couldn't find them. And he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll do it. And then I had to re go through like five or six times and meet up with them. And we'd, we'd drive around, I'd tell facts. And I wrote, and there were some jokes about like the facts. Now I just tell the facts as facts. I don't give a fuck about the joke because I'm going to, I tell my other, I like, I figure out jokes. Like I, I do crowd work. Okay. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's why like my crowd work has gotten, it's gotten 10 times better. Like I'm comfortable filling time in between jokes with just riffing. Because the funny boss, like, I'm literally allowed to, I fuck with people all the time. I fuck with people on the side of the street, and it's fucking hilarious, and it's rude, and it's very inconsiderate, <laughs> and I love doing it. It sounds like a great job. Yeah, man, that, that, has right? to be good. Yeah. that has to be good for your comedy, too, though. I mean, I, I'm doing the doing Drew's show, the crowd work show, Funny Stop, every like, every other week or so has been really good for me. I think it's... It's just something that takes practice doing crowd work. Yeah, it's, I like your I like your crowd work questions too, John. <laughs> well, you had a, you my had a, one, my one. Um, I was gonna do the week before, and I didn't get to go up. And Brandon did it, which was the, which was the sexual partners thing. And I told him about it afterwards. <laughs> I was like, dude, that was my plan if I was going up tonight, and uh, I had like a whole thing planned out for it, like different responses they could have given me and shit. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it tonight. And then they, not only did they not answer, but the crowd just like completely turned on me when I asked that question. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I mean, I just heard the whole crowd be like, oh my God, like what the fuck did you ask that for? <laughs> was, was, was this the question when you were like, how many sexual partners have you had? Yeah, I said, how many sexual partners did, or who had the most sexual partners before yeah. the marriage? <laughs> 
<laughs> See, when I ask, I I ask like one. I ask the dude usually because the dudes usually I don't know they seem to be more responsive with it. But I'll ask them how many sexual partners they've had before their relationship, and then it gets real awkward between them because a lot of times the girl doesn't know, and he'll say something. And it'll get some laughs. I'll riff on it. And they'll be like, well, how many sexual partners have you had since the relationship started? And then just wait for them to respond. (laughs) And some of them will like start counting. And I'm like, I gotcha. I gotcha. (laughs) Cheating on your partner in front of us all. (laughs) You get so many couples and arguments after the show. Yeah. See, my response response was going to be, if they had a bigger number, my response was going to be, oh, so she definitely wasn't the best. Yeah. <laughs> like just anything i think it's funny to make things awkward between between a couple like any anything with that is it's funny for the rest of the crowd most of the time unless like the rest of the crowd is also couples and then they kind of side with the couple which is bad yeah um, but like that's what was weird about thursday is that there was only like two couples in the crowd so I didn't think the crowd was going to turn against me for that joke, and they did yeah. anyways. And I got myself out of it pretty well, but it was just fucking... It's like I didn't expect it at all. Um, you got out of it very well, because I remember <laughs> I went up after, and I was laughing on, like, on my way to stage, because you were just like, yeah, so... You're like, couple over there. So how many sexual partners have you had? And they're like, oh, my God. And then I just start bursting out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you got out of it, and I'm still laughing. And he goes, all right, next on stage, Brian Sturdick. The chick in the I'm front. I'm still giggling. The chick in the front of the big table got me out of it because she was like, is that what you ask your girlfriends? And I was like, you think I have girlfriends? Like That, was yeah, like yeah. that, that got me out of it. Uh, Dan's, Dan's dad was kind of mean. I mean, he was like, he was like, uh... <laughs> I was I said something about I was talking about his Hawaiian shirts or whatever and he was like he's like well at least they fit me better than yours fits you and I was like well, does this shirt not fit well like yeah. I thought it was a good fit I don't know like it's solid you just bought it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck man that's kind of mean dickhead was that dickhead. that was Dan Brown's dad yeah <laughs> Dan oh. Brown's dad roasted you yeah oh he was he was like going back and forth with everybody man he was. He was good. Like uh, that Duke guy kind of tried to do the same thing I did, talking about how people that are retired start to think about death. But he just came like right out and said, "Like you're gonna die soon" or some shit like that. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck, man? Like <laughs> that's not it's not good for a comedy show, bro." He, but I give it to that dude, man. It, it it was like his sixth time doing comedy. And he volunteered to go up for a crowd work show. Like I would have never fucking done that. There's no I wouldn't way. have done. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> uh, that was out of my fucking element at twenty. When I I started at twenty two, that was I was bad to get drunk to just go on stage. I had to get like five or six beers to go yeah. on. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean rehearsing. Like I, I used to rehearse my sets so bad, like hard. <laughs> yeah, like staring, like talking to yourself in the mirror for like two fucking hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got we we always we always, uh, we always do some we always do some news on the podcast, and uh, I felt like we needed to start out with the big news for comedy of the week, and I couldn't find a clip uh, that did Norm Macdonald justice. Norm Macdonald passed away this week for anybody who lives under a rock and doesn't know. Um, but uh, so I just found a clip of his comedy that's my favorite joke that he ever told, and so I'm just gonna play that real quick, and then we can talk about it, it a little bit afterwards. Is it Ma? No, this is from uh, his last appearance on Letterman. 
Oh, okay. Well, I watch the TV, I watch the news, make you afraid the news, you know? Put all these stories on, Iraq, Iran, North Korea, you know, try to scare you, you know? But does it ever really scare you? Like, you ever wake up in the middle of the night, ah, North Korea! <laughs> that little tiny country across the ocean. I wonder if they'll get me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, didn't MASH settle that like 20 years ago? <laughs> Why'd they have to watch that stupid show? There is one country that worries me, though. Not Iraq, not Iran, not North Korea. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not, but... Uh... <laughs> In the early uh, part of the previous century, Germany decided to go to war. And uh, who did they go to war with? The world. <laughs> it had never been tried before. And uh, so you figure that would take about five seconds for the world to win, but uh, no, it was actually close. <laughs> pass and uh, Germany decides again to go to war and again it chooses as its enemy the world but <laughs> <laughs> this time they have that guy shrankly crankly that guy and I'm not even gonna dignify him by saying his name but I think you know what I'm <laughs> but you'd think at that point the world will go listen Germany Here's the deal, you don't get to be a country no more on account of you keep attacking the world. <laughs> what do you think, you're Mars or something? <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes he ever did. Uh, but, so good. But Norm MacDonald, man, there's so much, like, he meant so much to comedy. I, I grew up watching him as a kid on Weekend Update. Like, he was he was the first person that, like, made me fall in love with Weekend Update. Like, that's what I've always wanted to do is not necessarily be on it, but write jokes for Weekend Update. Like, I've always, that's always been a dream of mine. Um, yeah. And uh, just, like, that's why I was so excited when I met fucking uh, uh, Mark Riccadonna for the first time because he wrote for Weekend Update and and shit, and I got to pick his brain about that. But just that and his his just his way of doing dry humor in a way that just fucking kills. Like it's it's like uh, it's yeah. he's the only person that can do it that I <laughs> that I've ever heard. He, like I mean, he's so sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and also like I feel like. Because Nor Norm's a perfect comic for where he he's telling jokes, but he's just he's he dumbed it. He's dumbing everything down, so you could tell he's a smart fucking guy. He's so smart. Yeah. But he, I could tell he like he just dumbed he dumbs everything down. It's he's just talking. Yeah. And it's just he's so sarcastic. Like he was just telling facts. Like it was all facts. Yeah. <laughs> and then he threw and then he threw opinion. In at the end like and then he did like made up a fake conversation he's like yeah they went to war with the world my favorite like my favorite thing about him is his conan appearances when he would go on and do like 
four and a half, five minute jokes with one punchline at the end. And, oh, yeah. and, and Conan, <laughs> always so dumb. Yeah, it was hilarious. And, and Conan would just get like, I don't know if it was probably a bit that Conan was doing, but he would just get like, he would just get like visibly frustrated and he'd be like, how, how long is this joke? You know, like, <laughs> like he was by far my favorite person to cover the OJ verdict. That was, that was oh. the best person yeah. that could have done it. Murder is now officially legal in California or whatever the fuck it was. Like it's, yeah, man, it's it's a sad one, and and I I loved Dirty Work whenever I was a kid. Like that was one of my favorite movies whenever I was a kid. Um, I don't know how Artie Lang's still alive and Norm Macdonald died, but, but that's, that's, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how Betty White's still alive versus everybody that's yeah. not, like. I watched yeah. a. Uh, little off topic i was watching a dean martin roast from like the 70s the other day and like betty white was on there talking about her expansive career over the last couple decades and i'm like this is the 70s she still does shit now yeah she's in she get another one and it's long overdue she's outlived everybody on the roast yeah yeah Yeah. norm mcdonald's dead at like what was it 61 yeah, sixty one. I don't know. What yeah. do you guys think about him like keeping it secret for like for like nine years? Like, is that something you think you would do if you had his status? Probably. Like, I don't. Yeah, I, don't I thought know. about this. I would tell. I would tell my. I would tell people close to me. Um, like I would tell my girlfriend. I would tell her not to really tell anybody, but I would tell my parents. And what the second I tell my parents, then everyone knows. My mom <laughs> yeah. loves going on Facebook. And saying, oh, Brian's a comedian. He's got this show. I was supposed to, like, two years ago, I got booked on a show to do, to open for, um, open for fucking, uh, the Dustin Diamond. I was going to open for Screech. Yeah. <laughs> and it was supposed to be a secret show. It was supposed to be a secret show. About, <laughs> it was 2018, maybe. No, it was 2018, late 2018. I should not even have been touching a, a mic at that point. I was so bad, but I was told I was going to host or host for uh Dustin diamond screech. And I tell my mom, I was like, Hey mom, you can't tell anybody. I think it's a surprise show where Dustin diamond doesn't want to know people that are there. I get this confirmation email, uh, that like I could host for, you know, Dustin diamond. And then my mom, I tell my mom, don't tell anyone. And then my mom tells everybody, <laughs> and then I see on Facebook that hey Dustin, I, my son is uh, working with Screech from Saved by the Bell. He's doing stand up. <laughs> Brian's made it, and I'm like, what the fuck you doing, mom? And then I get an email back, and it's like, yeah, people found out we're not doing the show, and I was fucking oh. pissed off. I would, honestly, like it could have been fake. I don't care if it was fake. Yeah. I don't fucking care, dude. Mom, mom's having Facebook is like. The worst and funniest thing that's ever happened in in the world because like my mom, <laughs> like I'll post like when I have my feature weekend at Funny Stop, I posted about it all the time because I, I literally like messaged people that had told me like they wanted to see me do comedy. I'm like, hey, come to this motherfucker, you know? Like I was I was yeah. pu- pushing it hard, and I ended up bringing like thirty people to every show, and uh, but my my mom comments on one of the posts and she's like she's like you're gonna do great 
or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> did it sound like I was worried at all? Like what? Like what? What made you? What made you say that? Like it's just, and you can't delete it because it's your mom. You know? Yeah. And it's like what the fuck? Why did I accept her as a as, I'm as your a mother. friend? Yeah. My mom just uses Facebook to say happy birthday to all of my exes. And that's I get really frustrated with that. I still haven't I still haven't I still haven't accepted my mom's request on Instagram. I don't think I ever will. Don't Don't fucking do it. You you want your mom to see all your tampon jokes on your Instagram story? Nope. (laughs) No. No. None of your tampon jokes. You don't. But this is uh, this next clip is about the Haitian immigrants that are coming into Texas. Um, this is from ABC <laughs> News. Um, they're they're basically they're basically refugees uh, from the earthquake and shit that just happened there. Um, this is from ABC News in San Antonio. We turn next here this evening to the growing concern at the southern border. Nearly thirteen thousand migrants huddling under a bridge in Texas, mostly from Haiti, after that devastating earthquake. ABC's Marcus Moore tonight from Texas. Tonight, city leaders declaring a state of emergency in the small Texas town of Del Rio. Nearly 13,000 men, women, and children have converged on the border town to seek asylum. And they're being held in squalid conditions in this temporary staging area under the Del Rio International Bridge. What you see behind me are individuals that have not even been processed or detained. The shade under the bridge offering little escape from stifling triple-digit heat, food and clean water becoming scarce. This is as bad as I've ever seen it. Governor Greg Abbott ordering state police and National Guard to assist overwhelmed border agents. Sources say the majority of the migrants are from Haiti, the nation still reeling from the assassination of its president and last month's earthquake. More than 208,000 apprehensions were reported at the southern border in August, a 317% increase over the same month last year. Today, DHS Secretary Alexander Mayorkas saying that they are working to address the influx, stating they will employ the use of Title 42, a Trump-era health policy which permitted the expulsion of migrants without allowing them to seek asylum. We have authorities by reason of that special circumstance, and we will exercise those authorities. And David, more people could be on the way. Officials anticipate that an additional 8,000 men and women could come here over the next several days. Customs and Border Protection officials trying to get a handle on this situation that seems to be getting worse. David. Marcus Moore in Del Rio. Dude, here's the thing, man. Like, we have over 7 million unfilled jobs in the United States right now. Like, let them in. I mean, like what? Like, like can we get can we get Taco Bell's up until four in the morning again? Like, what the fuck? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. We have so much need for immigrants because we've had so little immigrants over the past five years because of Trump. Like, that's that's probably why we have so many unfilled jobs. Like, yeah. fucking let them in. They're fucking. Yeah, the, the, that's the funny thing. It's like all oh, the immigrants are people are like all oh, the immigrants took all of our jobs and now everyone's quitting those jobs. Yeah. And yeah. and if you have immigrants working, immigrants that come here and work, do the jobs we don't, obviously, like, citizens don't want to do, immigrants can work and make a living and, like, have a family and keep their family and, you know, yeah. eventually become citizens. But, yeah, pe- people always just, a lot of Americans always want to find a reason to get pissed off at other groups of people. Yep. That's xenophobia. That's all it is, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just crazy to me, like, like, literally right now, when I go do comedy out in Lakewood, 
um, and drive back to Cuyahoga Falls, there's literally nowhere to stop for food on the way home after 10 o'clock at night. Like, it's just because everybody's closing early because they still don't have the fucking workers to stay open. It's it's nuts. It is, yeah. It's it's like, are we ever going to have 24-hour grocery stores again? Like, it's... it's... I, I like how all your concerns are over food. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 fuck you. Um, you're like, no, 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 you're like, I want Taco Bell open. Where do I you're, get my groceries? Yeah. yourself a hole. <laughs> yeah. No, it, Which, it's... I mean, that Taco Bell is open late, but last time I stopped in there after LVT, someone rear-ended me in that parking lot, and now I will, like, never go back to the Taco Bell. Like, I treat yeah. it like it's the Taco <laughs> Bell's fault for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, like, in, not the guy. even, like, yeah. even, like, Get goes will be closed at at like ten o'clock, and it's like I can't yeah, everything's get, closed. Real I can't early. get I can't get gas. Like what you, you know? Yeah, it's like T Bell and rallies. I'm a big proponent of you know gas stations being open twenty four hours all the time. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't see why they're not. I mean, because they don't have staffing. It's just me. It's yeah. It's, it's it's fucked up right now, man. There's a lot of restaurants that are that are like closing that are like closing two days a week because of the staffing issues. Um, my brother's a GM for a restaurant. It's been the worst year ever for him. Like he's, yep. like he's Grindstone he's bossing tables, washing dishes. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, it's it's crazy, yeah. man. And then you got fucking people who who just like don't tip when they go to restaurants, even after they know what shitty year restaurant employees had. They just they're still not tipping, and it's it's more common than people think. Um. I'm not gonna name any names, but I heard that like a comic that doesn't tip at Funny Stop, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like what? Like how? Can you tell me? Can you tell me off air? Yeah, I'll tell you off air. Um, but it's yeah. it's just like what, 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 what's his name again? <laughs> no, but it's like I, I worked in the I worked in the I worked in the service industry for fucking ten years, and that that shit really pisses me off. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Like you should know better. Yeah. But it's crazy to me that like my brother works for my brother's a GM for like a high end steak restaurant that like normally would be like a server or bartender's dream to go work at. And they're still having trouble hiring servers and bartenders. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. You make a shit ton of money working there as a server or bartender and they, they, people still don't want to work there. It's, it's I, I think it's also like a lot of people like realized through COVID again, like everyone quitting their jobs and shit. Like I worked at a bar. I had a bad experience at the bar I worked at because I just, it wasn't for me. I wasn't that type of person to like do that job. But I think a lot of people get stuck in that. And like a lot of people that quit the service industry, like they could take, like if they save money, like they can, not only can they take a break from working before they find a new job, but they can like stop drinking as much. Yeah, and stop smoking, and it's they they and they. Live yeah, I don't here, so. I don't blame anybody for getting out of it because getting out of the service industry was one of the best things I ever did with my life. I mean, totally. I I was I was an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic, and I was doing way too many drugs when I worked in the service industry. That's just and you get used to it. Yeah. You get to working on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you yeah. need to go to work, and you just have terrible relationships because everybody everybody that works at restaurants just hooks up with each other and shit, and it's just. It's a terrible, it's a terrible environment for people to work in, but, yeah. but it's something yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's, I, I think it, it made me a better person, like going through that shit because I learned a lot going through that shit, but it's, it's, uh, it's not something you want to be in long term. Like I see people yeah. that I bartended with 10 years ago that are still bartending and I'm like, like, how the fuck are you still doing? 
Like not not like they're bartending like a high like a high end restaurant either. They're st- they're still bartending at like a bar that you can get drunk at every night while you're working. You know, like oh yeah yeah. Like, How the <laughs> fuck are you still living this life, man? It is. Yeah. So some people can handle it though. I mean, some people I know some people that work at the bar that don't have drinking problems that quit drinking. Yeah, I they're know. Good uh, at it. I, I met a bartender. I met a bartender on Thursday night with Brian that has a drink problem. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah she was fucking loaded. Oh, dude, man, it was it was bad. She was she seemed fucking drunk the second we walked in. Yeah, good old. She goes, "I'm vibes. the boss. I'm gonna get on the other side of the bar." It's like now you're just telling us norm, like things everyone does that we don't say out loud. <laughs> I'm walking. <laughs> I'm like, God, you're fucking drunk. Good old Red Fox. Um, this is this is this is uh, this last that episode. <laughs> we have one more news clip. The last one is from the Today Show. This is about the uh, what I think is probably the easiest uh, crime to ever solve. Um, this is about a a young lady who has gone missing after a trip with her boyfriend. This is from the Today Show this week, or fiance. Overnight, a flood of protesters as police arrived at the family home of Brian Laundrie in Northport, Florida. The fiance of 22-year-old Gabby Petito, who went missing while the two traveled across the country together. A new twist in the case, Laundrie himself now missing. They are now claiming that they have not seen their son uh, since Tuesday. Laundry returned home to Florida on September 1st, 10 days before Petito was reported missing, arriving with the van that to use for their road trip, but without Petito. Laundry, a person of interest in the case, has so far refused to speak to authorities on advice of counsel who says the warning that any statement made will be used against you is true, regardless of whether my client had anything to do with Miss Petito's disappearance. What do you make of the fact that Ryan is still remaining silent? What does that say? There's only one person who can answer these questions, and that's Brian. But it certainly doesn't look good. A possible clue coming from TikTok. Law enforcement confirming they're investigating this woman's claim that she picked up Brian while he was hitchhiking alone in Wyoming on August 29th. He offered to pay us like $200 to give him a ride, like 10 miles. He then told us he's been camping for multiple days without his fiance. All this on the heels of chilling body cam video from August 12th, showing an emotional police encounter with a couple. We'd have been fighting all morning and... All the while, Petito's family growing more desperate by the day. Dateline's Andrea Canning sitting down with her father. I want people to do everything we can. I need her to come home. Meanwhile, Northport police expressing their own frustration, releasing a statement overnight saying they've been trying to talk to Brian for days to get information they believe could be critical to finding Gabby. But now that he has disappeared, they don't have that opportunity. Morgan, Peter. So um, he did it. I I mean, I mean, dude, like. Like what the fuck? Like they're fighting all day, and and they at, at, at getting pulled over on a body cam, and then he comes back without her, and, it's, and he's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. It got, <laughs> it got me when they were like in a new twist in the case. I was like, I don't think there's been a twist in this case at all. I think no. this has been pretty clear cut from the beginning. Yeah, I don't he, see how this is confusing. He did it. I don't understand how they let him leave leave the state. 
Like, they're just like, yeah, whatever. We're not going to watch him to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. He's the case on himself. Ugh, I mean, dude, that's... It's, it sounds like it's going to be a documentary in, in 15 years on Netflix. Oh, for sure. It'll be kind of a boring documentary. There's not going to be a oh, shocking part of it. Well, yeah, the documentary's going to end. They're like, yep, we, th- we thought he did it. And then, like, five minutes of the episode, that happens. And then right after, like, yep, and then he left. And the documentary just ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, left. Docu- no one ever yeah, no one heard from him again. They're going to find her, and then there'll be, like, a national manhunt for the dude. But... I think the funny thing about this is that, like, this type of shit happens all the time, um, but this time it's a it's a pretty white girl, and it's <laughs> and it's like yeah. nas- it's like takes. national news all over, like it's yeah, but like it's it's an open shut case. He killed her, like, or he either killed her or he or he left her somewhere to die, like you know, I mean, like, yeah. and if or he, like the one in a million chance that he didn't, he's just really bad at defending his case here because he's not helping himself at all. Yeah, and really fucking stupid because, like, you go on a cross-country trip with your fiancé, get in a fight on a police body cam, and then you come back without her. Like, what do you think's going to happen, dude? Like, it's it's instantly going to come back on you. That's fucking... You're a fucking idiot. Now you're paying hitchhikers, or you're, you're paying people picking you up hitchhiking, like, $200 to drive... 10 miles like this sounds really shady yeah. all of this sounds so yeah. bad yeah and it's overshadowed the norm mcdonald story and for that fuck that guy yeah. um can i tell you what i what i got out of that yeah. i that was fucking sad yeah like hearing it because when i watch the news nothing's really sad on the news because some they show like cheesy pictures of like street signs and shit yeah but like lis- listening to this without actually watching it is like equivalent to like take on me the aha song <laughs> yeah. because it's such a it's such a it's it's such a song like you listen to it and you're like oh take on me but then you if you just read the lyrics it's really sad and depressing <laughs> I, i've never so done that's, that that's, yeah that's how i felt listening to like a really sad thing Maybe <laughs> that's why I'm not maybe, watching. Maybe that's why I'm so sad all the time is because I get all my news from podcasts. Maybe that's Yeah, that's why you're depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it, man. That could be yeah. it. Like, I know I make very unhealthy jokes about very serious news stories, but it's like that's that's how I deal with it. It's Yeah. The world's a depressing place, man. It really it really is right now. I mean it's We all have our ways to cope. Yeah. Our jokes didn't yeah. kidnap and kill anybody. No. no. <laughs> or rape. Um, no. Oh we'll, we'll, we'll move, move on. And, uh, we're going to go with, we're going to go, we're going to go straight from that depressing ass story to uh, Brian's comedian that he, that he uh, brought, gave me a clip of. This, this comedian is, I think, the most underrated legend in comedy because. Wait, it, how do we go from that to this? That's how we do it, man. <laughs> Stick to the fucking format, Brian. No, um, <laughs> uh, no but uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody. When you ask who are the best comics, they always say they always say Pryor and and fucking Carlin. And I don't feel like many people say Rodney Dangerfield, and I think he's probably one of the best to ever do it. Um, totally. But what what about him? What about him's inspired your writing or your comedy? Uh, well, it's something I could never. So Rodney Dangerfield doesn't need to 
Like his character is just the jokes. I'm envious of that style because I can't do it. Yeah. I was a big fan of him uh, when I was a kid because my dad was a huge Rodney Dangerfield fan. So that was, I mean, it was pretty much Rodney Dangerfield and Adam Sandler, which is they do not go together at all. Yeah, they might. Their styles are so different. Uh, but Rodney Dangerfield, he's just like zip zap zoop, and his his cheesiest joke is still it's fucking not cheesy at all. Yeah. Like if anyone else, if anyone stole, if anyone ever tried to steal his material, it wouldn't work. And that's, it's so good. He's just, he's just zip zap, just throws everything. And it's a story at the same time. It's yeah. insane. I've, I've always liked him, but I've gotten more into him recently because I've been listening to, uh, we might be drunk, Sam Morell and Mark Norman's podcast. And he's like their God, basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's the fucking genius. Yeah, Cause they're, they're those jokey joke writers and, and he was the best, he was the best ever. I think Rodney, Rodney and, uh, the different styles, but I think Rodney and Mitch, he- and Mitch Hepburn are probably the two best, like straight joke writers that I've, that I've ever heard, like one liner guys. Um, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll listen to this clip and then we can talk about it. This is, uh, this is from his special, I think it was called, I can't, I don't know. I fucking fucked up the writing down. It's a, it's a, fucking, <laughs> it was a 1993 TV special. Um, I, I, it's, I can't get no more or something like that. I don't fucking know, but this is Rodney Dangerfield from 1993. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, you know? <laughs> Now, last week I told my wife I need a home improvement loan. She gave me a thousand dollars to move out. <laughs> I'll tell you, my wife, there's always something, you know. Well, the other day I called her up. I said to her, honey, I've been thinking about the last time we had sex. I'm getting excited. She said, who is this? <laughs> I tell you, my wife, she never went for me. Well, the first time I called her up, she told me, come on over. There's nobody home. I went over. There was nobody home. <laughs> my wife, she drives me nuts. She was afraid of the dark. She saw me naked. Now she's afraid of the light. <laughs> no, I tell you, that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> no, I tell you, actually, I shouldn't tell jokes about my wife. I mean, she's attached to a machine that keeps her alive. The refrigerator. <laughs> and I tell you, my wife, she can't cook either. My house, we pray after we eat. <laughs> I bought a pressure cooker. Now I eat off the ceiling. I don't think meatloaf should glow in the dark. I mean, she can't cook at all. She made chocolate mousse and antler got stuck in my throat. <laughs> I'll tell you my trouble. I got the wrong doctor. You know my doctor, Dr. Vinnie Boombox. Know my doctor? <laughs> I saw him last week. I told him, doctor, every day I wake up, I look in the mirror, I want to throw up. What's wrong with me? He said, I don't know, but your eyesight is perfect. <laughs> Are <laughs> uh, you kidding? Are you kidding? I know I'm ugly. I asked a bartender to make me a zombie. Told me God beat him to it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you no know when you're ugly, all right? Well, Halloween, my wife sends the kids out dressed like me. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the whole story. I'll write the whole story, okay? All right. I mean it. I mean, you know when you're ugly. Well, last Halloween, a kid tried to pull my face off. <laughs> And my kids, they flip a coin and see who has to kiss me goodnight. And I was an ugly kid, too. I told my old man, never took me to the zoo. He said, if they want you, they'll come and get you. <laughs> Boy, that's the story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect. No respect at all. Are you kidding me? 
Well, I was drowning. I was yelling, help, help. And the lifeguard ran over. So they're like, buddy, keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> well, I have no respect from anyone. Well, I called up suicide prevention. They tried to talk me into it. <laughs> Dude, that was a, that was a two and a half minute clip. And there were like six applause breaks in two and a half yeah. minutes. Like I was just gonna yeah. say, his hour specials have got to have thousands of jokes in it. It's a, it's yeah. amazing to so me good. what he's able to do with no time. Yeah, I have a couple of his albums on vinyl, and they're fucking just they're fucking hilarious, man. He's so good. <laughs> he he's so fucking. He does that again. He does that thing where a lot of co- we get caught in it. Like, but I always kind of tell myself to slow down. Yeah, Rodney. Like he starts slow, but his slow is already fast, and he but he gets the point across so fast. Yeah, he gets from the thesis of the joke to the punchline so fast, and then he plays with the audiences. If they're laughing, he doesn't want them to stop laughing. Yeah, he's just like zing, zing, zing. It's so good. Yeah, that's how. That's how. That's how. Uh, it's it's a unique style in comedy where you. It's like some people say it's stepping on your laughs, but with with like somebody like Rodney, it's like he builds on his laughs. Like he doesn't he doesn't wait. Like you said, he doesn't wait until the laughs die out. He just keeps fucking going, and the yeah. laughs just build and build and build, and he gets an applause break in forty five seconds. You know, like it's yeah, it's fucking <laughs> crazy. Wild. And it, it really that is. didn't feel like two and a half minutes. That felt I I felt like it was like a seven minute thing in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like I was like oh yeah this I forgot how long the thing was, but also I knew what I sent it to you because I was like yeah but Rodney's again it's like the things I I get lost in the moment and that's a rarity, yeah you know just getting lost into someone's set and kind of forgetting about everything else yeah just that's focusing like laughing that's like, kind of how that's kind of how I feel when I see I think I think the closest in our generation to him is is Mark Norman like that's. That's how I feel when I when I watch Mark Norman live. Like it feels like it's like a two hour show, and he yeah. really, he really just did forty five minutes to an hour, but he has so many jokes in that forty five minutes to an hour that it just seems so much longer. Like it's it's fucking crazy. I don't understand how how you can come out with hour specials when you're a one liner comic. Like it's just yeah. Fucking, how do you remember all of them too? Like it's yeah. Just, that's. Like, like that's why I think it's easier to do to do stories because it's like it's it's you have like a, a you have like a continuous story to your set and it's and it's like it's easier to remember that way to where if you're just doing one liners like that it's it's fucking like yeah sure some of them blend together but but like Rodney he'll do like three or four or five that blend together and then he'll move on to another topic he'll kind of yeah. tra- transition out of it into another topic but it's like how. I don't understand how you'd remember all those all those little yeah. jokes like that, man. That's insane. Uh, I, yeah. I have a little thing. So, like, one-liners, I think one-liners are, I agree, because one-liners are harder. I wouldn't say stories are easier, because stories are weird, too. So, one-liners, I think, the, I think the hardest part about doing all one-liners is just, yeah, remembering all the jokes. But the hardest part about stories is remembering where you're getting your laugh in yeah. the story. Yeah. And there's some details that, like, you know you miss out on and then you rely on that laugh but you didn't give perfect context especially early on with stories or like it's either trimming the fat trimming the fat on a story joke or like forgetting a certain detail that's not a punchline but it's a little detail in there yeah that sets up a punchline like that's easy to forget 
Well, and stories like, can be uh, stories can be really unpredictable too, though, depending where you tell them. You know, like some, yeah. some venues will laugh at certain parts of the story versus you tell it at a different venue, different demographic. They might laugh at other parts of that story. I think that's that's the tricky part. Yeah. Well, like yeah. like uh, Brian Kenny talked about on our podcast, it's hard to work. It's hard to work on stories because you only get five yeah. minute sets when you go to open mics and shit. Mm-hmm. And like I have one, I have one about whenever I, whenever I, uh, my last time ever trying to buy cocaine, that I've that I've I've told maybe maybe ten times because I just like didn't have anything else I wanted to do that night, so I went to that story, and I've worked on it a little bit each time, but it's like. It's so hard to get time to work on it to like perfect it. Like I still haven't done it on a club set yet or anything, and I yeah, and I probably won't until I feel like it's in, until I feel like it's absolutely perfect. Like it's just it's hard to work on longer bits like that. It really is because you just don't have totally. the time. And and like Brian said too, when you go to an open mic and you're doing a long story, like if if it's bombing, there's there's no way out of it. Like there's no like you can't. You just have to keep going. You know. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to toughen up and just yeah. be like, all right. Yeah, which I have I have gotten to that point now where I can go through five minutes of bombing and it doesn't bother me. But like when I first started, if if I had a if I had a longer story that like the first part of it bombed, I would just bail on it and just move on yeah. to something else. Yeah. Like, but that also says that bomb, like you, like we all bomb differently. To, like I don't, the, the when I used to bomb, I mean I don't bomb like that anymore. Jokes don't work. Yeah. But they're like like you you don't bomb this like when you bomb you don't bomb the same way you did when you first started. Oh, you no, know how to yeah. ha- like you know how to handle if a joke doesn't work. Yeah, you like, you know how get, to handle that now just through experience. Yeah, you can still get laughs out of it. It's just it's just like. There was there was there was one night at LVT that like I went up I went up and bombed for the first time in in like months and like bombed hard and then uh, uh, Jimmy Graham went up after me and bombed too and I was like all right it's the audience it's not it's not yeah. me you know and then, and, uh, and Jimmy made some comment about a book that he was when we were outside later about a book that he was reading about how it was like his book how like some war book about how we were all just going in one by one and dying on stage and, yeah, yeah. And coming out, like coming out dejected like it was it was fucking awful dude it was just one of those nights where it was a packed house they just weren't laughing at shit and it's like what are you people doing here like this yeah. is i don't get it like you have some of the best comics in cleveland going up one after another and you're just fucking treating them like shit like it was it was terrible yeah uh, shows shows have been weird recently. Yeah, I don't know. There's a thing where like all all the new com- all, like the brand new comics are all bringing their friends that don't give a shit about stand up. They just came to see their one friend. Yeah, so, like, I'll I look in the that. audience and I'll be like, okay, it's like six brand new comics, and they each brought three to five friends. This is gonna suck. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. And I talked to I talked to Pete about this this week. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I've, the couple Wednesdays I've gone to Funny Stop, I go like once a month to Funny Stop, um, and just to see if there's any like new talent that we can put on shows or whatever. And and it's not there hasn't been any talent at all, but it's been very very slim. And and it's like nobody, none of these new people that are starting out like seem like they really want to be a comedian. Like you know, like it's it's like 
like whenever whenever I first started and Brandon first started and like my buddy Brian Gallagher when he first started, like we were going we were going to Funny Stop like two three nights a week, like just to hang out and watch and and you know and just like trying to get better, trying to fucking do comedy as much as we possibly could. These people like come to Funny Stop once a week and that's all they do and it's like yeah it's like dude first of all like he's putting you up once a week at funny stop like come support the club on on the weekend or on thursdays like please come on thursdays like that's when like like it's (laughs) it's been so fucking slim on thursdays man and it's and it's so hard to do three rounds of crowd work when you have when you have fucking four tables of non-comics i mean yeah you run out of shit to say it's not like Pete doesn't provide them like newcomers with opportunities to come hang out on weekends and shit. I mean, he, he doesn't even charge you to get in. Yeah, if you've done comedy you've once, regular. he's not going to charge you to get in. You know, like and it's, so you can come yeah, see yeah. you can come see really good headliners and not pay anything. And I mean, that was enough reason for me to keep coming back in the beginning, just to get yeah. to see people I like and not have to worry about. Well, paying. dude, this weekend, like Rich Voss, like last night, the the first crowd the first crowd and the second crowd like the back two rows were pretty much empty and it was like and it was like how the fuck are these new comics not coming to watch this fucking like legend of fucking comedy that's coming you know i mean it's i don't know maybe they don't know because they're not comedy nerds or whatever but it's like like rich boss is a fucking legend like he's the best crowd work guy in the industry he has been for fucking 20 years you know i mean it's yeah But. I, I think that a lot of new comics, especially me and I was talking to Joe Graham about this right when COVID hit, we were talking about the influx of new comedians either like during, during, like when we all came back from COVID, like when we had like uh, probably like last year at this time, a little before last year, yeah. um, when, when everything opened back up, we were talking and we we're like, okay, so there's gonna be a bunch of new comics and like brand new comics that are living their dream COVID. People dying was finally excuse to get out there and be the man you've always meant to be, a stand-up comedian making millions of dollars. <laughs> and I feel like people just hit this. I think a lot of new comics now had this. Again, like we all do when you get into comedy, it's all like you're like, oh, oh shit, I don't know anything I thought I knew. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are going in there thinking that, A, like now's the time to get into it. Now it's time to do what I want. Cause everything's fucked. I got to live my life. But a lot of people like once they hit it, I'm not going to speak for every, like every single new comic. Cause it's not like that. There's a lot of fun. There are a few like funny, like newer comics out that I've seen that show up regularly. Yeah. Like yeah. at like LBT. But a lot of them are kind of, some of them feel fucking entitled. Some feel entitled to the stage time because all there are is th- there's not as many shows as they were. Everyone can hit the open mic. And everyone's there because, again, there's not that many shows. New comics are starting to feel more entitled than they have. Um, Like, even like when I first started, I was getting bumped every fucking show. Every show. Every show I was getting bumped up. And I I had, like, a little parts of me. Oh, I'm funnier than this. Looking back, I wasn't. I should have got bumped. A lot of the comics now aren't getting bumped. And when they do, they get pissy about it. Oh, dude, I had had the one time... The one time that uh, Jimmy had like three people bomb at the beginning, and I was supposed to go up like thirteenth, and he was like, "Hey, dude, I need you to go up now. I need somebody to like bring the crowd back," and and I went up, and one of the newer comics like bitched at me for bumping him. I'm like, "I didn't fucking bump you, dude. 
Like, it's yeah. like, like, boom, yeah, boom, that guy's an asshole now. Yeah, just like, an yeah. asshole. Yeah, like I didn't fucking bump you. He fucking asked me to go up. Like what? Like you're you're a fucking yeah. idiot. Um, but yeah, Jimmy gets shit from comics all the time for that. That's one of the things that sucks about hosting LBT. I think. But he really takes uh, yeah. it to heart, so that's why I feel bad for him. Yeah. Well, I, I I dealt with the same thing, Mary. The one time I kept bumping Mary up. And Mary didn't know that I was, people were getting, people were getting pissed off me. They're like, oh, man, you forgot about me. I was like, oh, sorry, I put you on next week early. <laughs> They'd be like, whatever. Like, hold, they hold a grudge. One day, Mary was like, hey, tell everyone I let you, I told you to do that. And I was like, Mary, no, it's fine. Like, I, it, it, cause it was pissing me off. Yeah. I, everyone was noticing. I went through some strides doing that show to where everyone's like, Brian's not being himself. Brian's just kind of depressed on this fucking stage. Well, dude, here's, but then I host, but then I host, and then it's like, like my set would be bad, and then I host, and then I'm, I'm forcing energy, and everyone's like, okay, Brian's really trying, you know. But that's the that's uh, the thing that they don't get is because I think it's because they're not comedy nerds. Like they don't know they don't know how the industry works. It's always been like that. Like the professional comics will bump the open micers. That's just how it is. Like if- and, and it's a good booker who's doing like, like not a booker, but like for an open mic, it's a good host who's bumping yeah. because the new comics in reality, you might have one fucking good joke out of eight new comics. Well, and it's not just open micers. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, there's a hierarchy in the industry and you have to understand that. Like if Sam Morell is at the comedy cellar and fucking Jerry Seinfeld walks in, Sam Morell's getting bumped. You know, like it's just, yeah, yeah. that's just, <laughs> I, I mean, think, th- that's just I how think a lot is. of open micers, like a lot of open micers don't appreciate that as much as they should. I mean, if you think about it, the guy hosting LVT is the one trying to keep the room alive and provide as much of an atmosphere to do the comedy that you're trying to do as they can possibly provide. Granted, it's an open mic and there's like, 30 plus comics on that lineup so like the moves that are being made are actually to keep the show better yeah and people don't always appreciate that i I have no idea who it was but the night that brendan came in i i heard whenever jeremy announced brendan i heard somebody be like oh what the fuck and i'm like shut the fuck up yeah because they didn't didn't know well they didn't know who he was and he and he comes up and just fucking murders and i'm like you should feel like a fucking idiot right now (laughs) like this is uh yeah brian just just uh, a local a local killer just getting fucking everybody to laugh he goes man i'd be getting those fucking laughs (laughs) my laughs to get yeah yeah those are my the third time he did stand up is the charm, man? I fucking had him. <laughs> yeah. Pissed off because they got because they got bumped by someone that's been on Comedy Central on the Tonight yeah. Show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm better than this fucking guy, man. I I read a comedy book for a fucking chapter, man. I fucking know what's up. <laughs> Some documentaries. Uh, well, Brian, do you have anything to promote, man? Coming up. Uh, uh, if people want to see me on the Funny Bus, it's uh, tickets are at funnybus.net slash Cleveland. Uh, I do that. Um, I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They do private tours. Um, that's that's happening. I'm pretty pumped. Also, I don't know if you guys you guys knew about it. I had the show Dina's before in the pandemic. Yeah, uh, it's an old old Brooklyn Dina's Pizza. Uh, I'm having the first show um, October 18th at 7:30 p.m. It's a Monday. It's gonna be monthly on Mondays. And oh, Brian Kenny is headlining it. Whoa, cool. cool. Tight. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's going to be fun too. So that's starting monthly. And then the bus, and then listen to the Guiltless podcast. That's the podcast. I finally said the name. 
when's your uh when's your roast coming up that you're doing oh brett and i are roasting each other um i think tickets are five dollars the east end bistro on october 2nd i think it starts at like nine or something i'm telling you i went i went to the last one and it was one of the funnest nights i've had in comedy in a while and i didn't even go up just watching watching the roast that night was fucking awesome um that was my first that was my first one i'd ever been to um like the local Cleveland guys roasting each other, and it was fucking hilarious. So definitely like, check that out. They do such a good – it's Jeremy Shear, Chris Paw, um, Kyle Honhorst, and Tabitha Jones. They're, they 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 did incredible roasts. Like, they've always been good at roasting. I'm so happy yeah. when they brought the show back last month. I was so pumped. Yeah. It's, it was such a good show. Yeah, it's a good time. Come out to that. Um, yeah. Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at the Brian Sternick, uh, Brian with a Y, uh, Sternick, S T E R S T E R N I K. Drew Miller still still spells my name my last name wrong. Definitely follow him on Twitter because all of us comedians are depressed because we don't get any likes on Twitter. So. Why is that? Yeah, I get, I, Brown? Dude, I have yeah, like we're fucking losers. Yeah, I have like I have like three like Cam Bannerhorse and Carter Doherty are the only people that ever like my tweets, so I stopped tweeting. I go yeah. through spurts where I, <laughs> I I go through spurts where I tweet for like a week straight and then I just won't tweet for like months. Like it's just it's so depressing. I, I've been doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, but you, yeah, like one, once I have a good idea, I'm like, okay, I think I've been on Twitter long enough. I like, I think this is gonna work. I think this works. <laughs> and then like five minutes, if I don't delete it, I'm like, okay, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, you can uh, follow me at John Brown Comedy, Brandon. At- yeah, Petrified Comedy. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm doing the ad hominem. Uh, roast as well. I got Bill Stone coming up on October second. Oh so yeah, hell yeah, Bill Stone. So Cavity. far, man. So far, that would make if I win this next one, I'm three for three on these roast battles. I haven't lost one yet. Yeah, Brandon um, can use the same jokes he used for me. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Really, really good ones. And then I don't know if I'm promoting too far out, but December seventeenth, I'll be doing the West Theater in Barberton. I'm hosting for uh, Drew Miller and Jason Moliterno. Oh yeah, nice. I'm, I'm doing that in November, I think. Um, Hell yeah! Wait, is Jason Moliterno featuring? He's headlining. Oh, okay, yeah, he's a headliner. Drew Miller's featuring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a big headliner now. Don't talk. He's big headliner. Yeah. Don't talk. He don't talk him. anymore. <laughs> guys, it, it also, I forgot about the show. If you guys want to see my, uh, I'm headlining my first show. I'll be taking a dump on stage at Crack Pots Comedy Club. He's taking a big old shit on the stage. <laughs> it's all right. Everybody does. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Oh, man. All right, guys. I think we got it. Brown Petri Dish is created by John Brown and Brandon Petri. Logo designed by Brian Gallagher. Music by Jared Bailey. Audio version of the podcast is produced and edited by John Brown. Video YouTube version produced and edited by Harrison Poole.